Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome to the 12th Moon Rising Seahawks podcast with Kevin Daggett and Lee Vowell. I'm Lee. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Here to preview game one, uh, week one. Obviously, that's redundant, but who cares? They're playing, the Seahawks are playing the Broncos in Denver, one twenty-five uh, p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Uh, oh, Dog Pound is already involved for Sunday. So, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, Pete Carroll is one and seven in, in road openers. That's not necessarily the first week of the season, but it could be, you know, whenever the first road game happened. If it was game three. One and seven, and and the Broncos are fifty-one and eight at home in the first two weeks of the season since the merger. So the past doesn't really help us very much, Kevin. But um, you know, this is a new team, to- totally new, uh, completely new team in a way. With uh, especially defensively, got a lot of starters, and KJ Wright's out for this game. So let's start with the big news, though. Earl Thomas decided he was actually going to play in 2018. He didn't want to let the fans down, felt disrespected by the team because they didn't sign him to an extension and signed Dwayne Brown and Tyler Lockett and probably some others coming up, maybe Frank Clark to extensions. But uh, what's your take on Earl Thomas coming back? I'm just glad he showed up to work. I think he should have showed up, you know, in the beginning. I I, I just don't understand. I don't know. I, I just, Show up to work. I mean, you, you're you're under contract. Show up to work. Tell them you want you know. Show put your best effort forward, and um, you know the team's going to take care. Of you. I mean, they've they've proven that they've taken care of, care of people in the past. So, you know, these holdout things are ridiculous. I don't. You know, it's professional sports. I guess it's kind of the way they are because they're because their careers are limited. But you know, don't don't expect uh, sympathy from me on. Um, you know that you're not you're not getting for you got paid he got paid pretty well on his last contract so you know just because the next guy comes around and and um, you know gets a better deal that's that's the way it is but um, you know show up to work and don't get hurt and hopefully things will work out but you know and he and he he kind of made some comments you know back last year about uh, you know playing possibly playing in Dallas and this and that so. You know, he's he's, uh, in my opinion, shown some disloyalty, at least verbally, possibly. But you know, I don't know. I'm I'm glad he's back. He'll be he's a good asset for the team. We need him on the team as a leader. Um, hopefully, he can still be a leader with what he's done. I think he can. But um, you know, hopefully, he comes back and ready to play. Yeah, that's and that's a good point, actually. Who's disrespecting whom at this point? Because he brought up the Dallas thing. I mean, he went into the locker room. You know whether he said "come get me" or whether he didn't. That's a strange thing for him to happen, for him to do. And then, you know, you mentioned he is under contract. It's it's kind of a weird thing because he, maybe he's not making the money that say Eric Berry is at this point. But Eric Berry's contract is newer, and when Earl Thomas signed this contract, he signed the contract as "yes, I will accept this much every year," 
and therefore I will show up and play football for you for this amount of every year. And it's you can't play pay a player, you know, based on what future inflation might be. It's like if you buy a nine hundred square foot house in downtown Seattle and you get it for five hundred thousand dollars, and then you know in five years it's probably going to be eight hundred thousand dollars. You're not going to purchase it for eight hundred thousand dollars. Why would you do that? They're going to pay what the market value is for that time, and that's exactly what he signed on to when he signed the second contract. And now he wants a third, and he's worthy of getting a third, I think, at this point. I mean, he's going to be 30 soon. So, you know, you think his game would start to digress, especially a game based on speed. But, you know, he needs to show up and, and play his contract. Because I think, like, as you alluded to, you know, the Seahawks have have shown that they will be willing to pay players. I mean, they, they extended Dwayne Brown. They extended Tyler Lockett. Maybe they would have extended Earl Thomas if he'd actually shown up and played instead of, you know, Cam Chancellor. They did sign him to a third contract and then ended up, you know, hurting the Seahawks. So maybe that's what they're thinking too, you know. It's like, why do we want to sign a 30-year-old free safety whose game is based a lot on speed when you know in three or four years that speed's going to be digressing and he's not going to be worth the money. So why would we want to tie ourselves up? But, th- but they haven't said that either. But, you know, getting back to your point as far as being disrespectful, I don't feel like the team has disrespected him. They expect him to, you know, play via his contract that he actually signed. And I don't think they've done anything to disrespect him other than extend him, but they can't extend him because he's not in camp anyway. So what's he want? So moving yeah, on to I how- mean, Go ahead. Can't, these teams can't, it, it's not a one way street with these contracts. It's a two way street. And you got You can't just say, Hey, I want an extension. Oh, you're not going to extend me. Well, screw you. I'm not going to show up. I mean, that's, that's childish. It's, it's, it, I, I, I don't know. It, it these guys, I, I have, I have, really a lack of empathy or sympathy for these guys when they're making millions of dollars crying poor mouth and uh, my my career's limited you know how much more money do you need really now you know but well the owners are making a lot of money okay and they're risk they put they're the ones that are risking it all i mean you're an employee show up to work you know i mean it's not if, if you want to run the show then go buy a team or get you know go do something else but I don't know. And it's not just Earl Thomas. It's all these guys. You know, and then you look at some of these big players who, um, now I'm not going to mention any names because, I mean, there's a few of them, but they, they restructure their contracts so so the team can hire more, I'm not bad English, but to, to hire better players and more players to make the team better. And then you've got some of these other guys that it's all about me and I want to get mine and screw everybody else. So, and I'm not going to show up. And, you know, I think they should fine him for every penny he gets, he needs to get fined for. Um, And they've decided not to, not to do that. You know, they've. Yeah. I just, I completely disagree with that. You know, and and there was, there was probably a phone call that said, Hey, if you show up to work today, we'll, we'll throw the fines out. If you show up to work before the first game, then we'll get rid of the fines. I'll guarantee you there was some kind of phone call like that. Why would he just all of a sudden show up on, on Wednesday before the first game. I mean, that's true. I mean, what there's got had to be some, some, uh, you know, back tie. Maybe he's pissed off because that phone call went, listen, show up to work. We won't find you, but we're not going to extend you until you, until you show that you can play or something like that. That might be, who knows what he's talking about, but I don't know. Yeah. And some of it comes back to these guys as agents, you know, the agent is, is telling them cause that's what their job is. They're, they're advising them on what they should do. And, 
I don't know. It's just it's not a smart move. I mean, and we say that, and you see exactly what happens with Khalil Mack, where he gets <laughs> traded to the Bears and then gets this humongous contract extension. But the Bears, uh, what a that was a. It's funny because it's like I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because it's the same situation though. He held, he held out. And then he ended up getting his wish and got more money and blah, blah, blah. And people are talking about, maybe this is a win-win. To me, this is like a lose-lose for each team. I mean, the Raiders lost Khalil Mack, and the Bears lost two first-rounders, and they're paying out the wazoo for this guy who's a defensive player. I mean, who, you know, by the end of the contract, because of the way the NFL is nowadays and people getting injured, may not even be worth it. It's just, I don't know. It's crazy. (laughs) It Um, is crazy. (laughs) But moving on to happier news, uh, Shaquem Griffin is going to be the starter. I mean, happier because it's such a good story, and we don't want to miss KJ Wright. He's he's an extremely good player. Maybe this is a maybe this is a Lou Gehrig situation. Maybe Shaquem will get in the game and be like, "Well, we're never getting your starter spot back, KJ Wright," which he will. But you know, maybe he'll play that well, and and we'll be thinking, "Well, maybe KJ Wright shouldn't start, or maybe they should do something else, or move." Shaquem to you know whatever strong safety or whatever and see how he does because you know he's not a big guy but he's fast. So what's your what's your uh, take on Shaquem Griffin getting that start in Week One? I think he earned it. I mean he played well in the preseason. I mean there's you know a couple games he and you're right he is fast. I mean he gets some good penetration and uh, I, yeah he's not nearly as big as KJ Wright and you know KJ Wright. He's a uh, he's a phenomenal player, and he's you know, it's going to take uh, quite a performance or two to to uh, relieve him of his of his starting role. But yeah, I think Griffin's going to be nice. It's a, it is a good story. I mean, they're going to have uh, you know the the brothers starting on the defense together, and uh, you know it's a it's a great story if nothing else. But he deserved it. I mean, he earned the spot. He is the he is the um, the backup and the and the starters out, so it's his job. And you know, like I always say, I love these these guys, these guys get the opportunity to, to to make a team and and get a position. You know, these young guys they'll go out and do everything they can to do it because there's such limited space on these teams for jobs, and you don't want to lose it. How big of a Mother's Day gift to the uh, Seahawks and uh, Shaquille and Shaquem's mother next year? Yes. <laughs> tell you what not big enough whatever it is <laughs> wow i mean just wow man that's some gifted athleticism in that family holy cow um so brett hunley is now the backup to russell wilson of course he hasn't played it down because he had to pass his physical before he could even play the final preseason game of 2018 but you know austin davidson didn't do horribly that last preseason game not that i wanted him to but it would have been nice if he hadn't played as well as he did, especially with that long, you know, but, but obviously Alex Magoo was not the answer to, to any kind of backup situation. You happier with Brett Hundley? Yeah, I am. I, I think, uh, I mean, he was a good college player. I think he, I think he's a good backup. I don't know that he's, uh, um, you know, well enough to start, but we'll see if, you know, again, we, <laughs> the way Russell Wilson plays, we're always hoping every season that he doesn't get hurt because he is the key. And, and, uh, you know, but I think I think you know if if Hundley can can play backup to Russell Wilson for a couple of years, he he uh, you know he might become a starter. But I don't know. But I, I think he's a great backup. I like him. I do like him better than Austin Davis. I don't um, I, over the. I just have never been really that impressed with Austin Davis. Um, <laughs> no. 
I mean, yeah, Davis but... is a game a game manager, I guess, but you know, he, even then, he's not that good. But at least Hundley has now NFL NFL experience based on last season. He wasn't great, but you know, in the system that the Seahawks run, which is probably better suited to him than what the Packers do, I think he's you know, it's, it was a decent trade, and they didn't give up a whole lot for him anyway. It's kind of funny. Right. What was the what was the rumor? Couple, couple, few weeks ago, where the Seahawks were talking about, oh, we're trading a second round draft pick for, was it, was it, um, crap, it wasn't Bridgewater, was it? I can't remember who it was, but it's like they're definitely not trading a second round draft pick for a backup quarterback. No rumors like that. Stupid. I tell you what, though, they're going to have a hard, they're going to have a hard time paying Russell Wilson and. And keeping any other good players in the team when his contract comes around. <laughs> I know, but at least the the salary cap goes up every year, and you know maybe they'll. I don't know. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, because next year, I mean, we got Wagner has two more years left, and then Wright's up this year. You know, it's funny. I, I don't. You know, I, I'm politically we are different, but I think we see a lot of the same common things as far as if you're getting paid. You should probably show up to work um, because that's what you signed up for. That's what you chose to do. You chose to sign. And and I guess that's one thing that makes me more of a fan for KJ Wright because his contract, he's just he, – well, he's not as valuable as Earl Thomas, but he's not far off. And what have you heard this guy complain at all? And no. And, and it's like he is definitely worthy of an extension. And his contract's up after this season. Yep. So that's an, another guy they're going to have to pay. And Frank Clark, you know, if he produces this year, they're going to have to pay him. I guess every NFL team goes through this, and maybe that's one reason. Maybe the Seahawks are being smart as far as that transition, as far as, you know, getting rid of Michael Bennett, who wasn't as good last year, and getting rid of Richard Sherman, who may not have been as good last year, maybe starting to get a little bit injured, and the, trying to turn over the roster, because they know they're going to have to pay some of these players, and in turn, they're going to have to try to find talent. Otherwise, it was going to be... Not not worthless, but worth less money. Right. Um, yeah, maybe they're making. Oh, we'll see. We'll see in two or three years if we're the Cleveland Browns or we are able to maintain a, a decent team. Although didn't maybe, we just get it? Didn't we just get a guy from the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, the Browns are actually, you know, and and even though they've been zero and sixteen, it feels like for the last seventeen years they haven't been. I mean, they've won some games, but not last year. Um, but and, and they were four and zero last year. It's kind of funny because they were four and zero in the preseason, and they went and they didn't win any games. And the Lions that year, they didn't win any games. They were four and zero in the preseason. So zero and four in the preseason for the Seahawks doesn't really mean anything. And so weren't the Eagles zero and four in the preseason last year? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they were terrible all year long until the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, <laughs> any roster cuts that surprised you at all? I mean, it seemed it seemed pretty clear cut. I mean, it wasn't anything that really stood out to me. But what about you? No, I was pretty. I think it was pretty predictable. I like I like those a uh, couple of those receivers they kept on the practice squad though. I, Reynolds and um, is that other was it, is that other kid Moore or what? I mean, yeah, no, uh, made, Moore made the team, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the practice squad it's it's like always in transition, so it's you know it's it's a weird thing. Like um, who did they just who did they just release today that made the practice squad? And it was like oh, he made the practice squad. Oh, no, he didn't. I mean, it's such a fluid thing. Um, and, you know, not even talking about the practice squad, but, you know, on the roster cuts. I mean, Byron Maxwell went on IR. I think that's just a matter of, you know, working out a, a deal where he gets released and accepts a buyout at this point. 
Um, this is this is interesting to me because Byron Maxwell came back what week eleven last year after Sherman and, and Chancellor were injured in week ten, and he did pretty well after really not doing that well with the Eagles and the Dolphins, and he came back to Seattle and did really well. He he was injured all training camp and preseason, but just from what I was, and I don't know him, and I'm just some schlub who's talking about it. But to me, it seems like maybe he just doesn't want to play. You know? Yeah. Because that's a that's a possibility. But man, I tell you what, they got they got some pretty good young guys in that defensive backfield now. They do, and I, I think that's a good thing. I think Maxwell, you know, Dante Johnson's going to start, and I know there's a lot of at right corner and, and or, or you know corner and then opposite Shaquille Griffin. And and I know there's a lot of people saying, oh, Dante Johnson didn't even he got you know forty ers didn't want him and they're not even any better than the Seahawks and Seahawks should be better in secondary. I think Dante Johnson's a better fit, even though they run kind of the same system. I think he fits better. I also think Pete Carroll's a better defensive back because we all really know he's a defensive backs coach. I think he's a better defensive backs coach than what they had in San Francisco, and I think Johnson will will be good. But I, th- I really think he's just. He's kind of holding the spot for Trey Flowers, so maybe that's what the Seahawks saw too. Because it's like if we can work a work out a buyout with Maxwell, I mean, I don't know how that affects the salary cap, but long term, he's not the answer anyway. It's it's Trey Flowers, I'm assuming. Wouldn't you assume that as well? Yeah, I would. But I, I mean, I like Byron Maxwell. He's a he's a good he's a gamer, and he was you know one of those original guys. But um, I was glad to see him come back, and he did play well. We'll see if you know comes back from an injury, but. Um, yeah, I've, I, uh, you know, during, before the season started, before the uh, preseason started, I was a little skeptical of this whole team. But as the preseason went on, it it looks to be shaping up pretty well. Um, Just you know, funny to say when they went zero and four, isn't it? I know, right? But it is. But if you look at the way they played, I mean, you know, the defensive backfield looks good. They're young. They got some some guys in there that can. You know, move around the offensive line seems to be shaping up pretty good. Um, yeah, Fetty didn't help to do awful. Hope, yeah, hopefully he gets his shit together. And <laughs> I mean, that guy, I don't, uh, I don't know. I was about, about over him, but um, we'll see. But I mean, you know, Fant's gonna Fant can move around, and um, we'll see. But uh, and they led against. Not, the, it doesn't look horrible. Right, right. Yeah. In the first half of games when the starters were playing, I mean, they were. It's not like they were losing. They, they led at halftime against a good Vikings team, and it was a legitimate, you know. I mean, and that's still playing without Doug Baldwin and some other players. So, yeah, I mean, nobody's scheming against the other team, so we'll see a, a huge difference this week. But I, I do think, you know, move. actually it's a good time to move on to the Broncos game. I, the the secondary, obviously the Broncos can get after the quarterback. They're well coached on how to do that, plus they have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb's going to be probably pretty good. But their secondary isn't like world beaters or anything like that. I think if Wilson has time to throw with Baldwin, even though he's – I like his comment. That he's 80 to 85% healthy, but he said, quote-unquote, I haven't been healthy since I was born. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, I mean, they get Tyler Lockett and Brandon Marshall. I mean, I think they've got – and David Moore's stepped up. They've, they've got players who are, um, who are better, I think, than the Broncos' secondary – Plus, I'll be interested to see how Brian Schottenheimer actually uses C.J. Procise, for instance, McKissick's out, you know, IR now, I think, at this point. 
But pro, how he uses pro size, maybe not just in the backfield, try to, tries to get him out wide because he was a receiver in college to begin with. And, you know, if he stays healthy, he could be a productive player. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think they match up well against the secondary. It's a matter of if Wilson has time to actually throw the ball. And then, of course, forgetting the passing game, are they going to be able to run the ball? You know, like they like they did in preseason game three, they did okay. And of course, Penny will be back. Chris Carson looks looks good. I mean, I'm, I'm I feel optimistic about the offense, but I also feel like I don't really have a good reason for feeling optimistic. In a way, it's strange. So, any takes on uh, offense versus Seahawks offense versus Broncos defense in, in week one? Yeah. I, th- I think our receiving core is better this year than it has been. Um, with the addition of Marshall and, uh, you know, some of those young guys and, you know, Baldwin and Lockett, if they can stay healthy. You know, the, the running backs, all those running backs are good. The big thing is going to be, can they stay healthy? I mean, Carson, Procise, you know, they've both got a, got a, a, a tendency to, um, to get hurt. Um, Davis, I mean, they, that guy's a beast. So, I mean, they, they all look good, but I, I, I think we're, I think we're the best we've been in a long time with the running backs if they all stay healthy, and I I like our uh, our receiving core. Now the Broncos are also a team just like the Seahawks, who are pretty over the years have been pretty defensive oriented. So um, you know they won that Super Bowl because of their defense, not because of Peyton Manning. But um, but they've they're they've got a good defense. They always have a good defense. But um, I think I think we'll do all right. I mean, it's I think it's a win as far as I'm concerned, um, just because you know and that that's that rivalry goes way back to the old AFC West days when Seattle was in the AFC West and the Bronco was always a big rivalry. So, um, and I think some of us fans have never put that behind us. I mean, it's always you always want to beat the Broncos and the Raiders, but um, just because. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, man. Seahawks are nineteen and thirty-four against the the Broncos all time. It's kind of crazy. I tell you one thing too is is it hasn't really been mentioned a lot lately because it really doesn't need to be mentioned. It's you know it's not a problem, and most of the time people focus on the problems. But I I honest to God think that Sebastian Janikowski is going to win a couple games for us, um, and as opposed to. Blair Walsh losing a few. I think <laughs> Jan- Janikowski is a guy. He he can win you games. And that that damn punter, jeez. I mean, our special teams. What a what a uh, upgrade this year from uh, you know not that Ryan was horrible, but this this kid just comes in and I mean he's a he's a special player. He's special. And Jan- yeah. Janikowski, you know the the two hundred sixty pound left footer, which I got a little I got a little affinity for left footers, but. Um, who can't even he's so big he can't even tuck his shirt in but hey <laughs> guy's That's, a beast yeah but yeah Michael Dixon is just it's insane how he kicks the ball it's it's almost like I don't know and now he's going to be kicking it in at Mile High Stadium in Denver <laughs> week one it's crazy um, I mean it's almost I don't I don't ever want the Seahawks to punt but if they do it'll be fun to watch especially yeah. in Denver yeah um so uh, yeah, I mean, any any prediction for the game? We have it's on the road, week one, tough matchup. You think the Seahawks can pull it out? I think the Seahawks will pull it out, and I don't think it's going to be a very high scoring game because 
you know, like both of the teams are defensive oriented and, and um, I don't know that the Broncos got all that grave an offense, but I, I think the Seahawks pull it out. So any, any score prediction? Uh, Three, two. Yeah. Uh, maybe 24, 17. Gotcha. Edwin, Edwin Diaz comes in and saves the, saves it at the end. Um, That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I always feel funny picking for the Seahawks because I feel like I jinx them. So I'll say a 97 to three Broncos at, <laughs> at halftime. At halftime. Um, so uh, last thing, I'll put you on the spot. Any prediction as to how many games the Seahawks win this year? I earlier I I went through the schedule a couple weeks ago and I think I came up with ten and six. I, I I'd have to um, uh, go through it again to figure out who I picked to win and lose, but I I think I came up with ten, ten and six. Awesome. I'm going to say eight and eight just because it, they could win six, they could win ten, they could win twelve, they could win well. I don't even talk about if Wilson got hurt. That would be three. So I'll say I'll say eight and eight and anything above that, which is a shame to say because they've been so good for the last several years. But eight and eight in that conference and just teams you know, making some changes in the roster. Hopefully they'll exceed that, and hopefully they'll be one of those younger Pete Carroll teams that has a chip on its shoulder and does really well. But I'll say eight and eight. Um, I don't think they went on on Sunday, but I, I hope they do obviously. But so anyway, that's, that's our show. Hopefully the Seahawks have a good season. And hey, we'll be let back me ask you week. one question. Let me ask you one question, Lee. The answer Did is you notice, I, <laughs> I noticed in this preseason, I don't, I don't know if it's going to continue, but it seemed like there was a lot more um, stunts run on the defense than there has been in the past. Just a lot more blitzing and things like that. Do you think that's going to continue, or am I? Did I see something that wasn't there? Or? I, to me, I think they have to. I think they have to yeah. blitz because I mean those defensive ends that they have. I mean Frank Clark is, he's good, but is he great? We don't know. We've never seen him be great. Deion Jordan is a physical freak, but we can't see him stay healthy. Um, you know, uh, Brendan Jack- Jackson actually is now on the practice squad. Yashim Green is a rookie. I think they've got to get some stunting because I mean as good as the secondary. Could or could not be now that Thomas is back. If you don't get any pressure on the quarterback, you know, what good does it do you? That was a problem last year. We didn't put any exactly. pressure on the quarterbacks. That's exactly right. Yeah, and that, that's my fear going into this season. I don't think the pass rush is any better. Than, I think it's probably worse starting off than it was last year. So, and I can't see how it would get better during the season. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my biggest concern actually for the Seahawks is pass rush. Um, is Frank Clark able to make that next step? Is Deion Jordan able to stay out? There's so many question marks. There's not one solid. At least if we had Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett, you knew what you're getting for the most part. And plus, Frank Clark was a was the third guy. Now he's got to be the first guy. I don't know. It's, it's, or Malik McDowell. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I still wonder what happened with that. Oh, what a waste truth. of a pick. I know. Oh my gosh! What could have been? No, it's that's the shame. Is that I mean, you kind of take the same kind of chance, you know, with with Frank Clark really when he came in. Um, different different kind of issue, but he's panned out, and he seems like he's well, he hasn't run into any trouble really or anything. But Malik McDowell was just like a big question mark when they drafted him. 
And then who knows what happened on that ATV. It's just so weird. Uh, what, I mean, what really happened so that you could no longer play ever? It's just strange. So it's, it's very strange, but but anyway, that's so. As always, you have the last two words of the show. Go Hawks! <laughs>